Welcome to Taking a Walk, an excursion to converse, connect, and catch up at a cool location with some of the most interesting people you can find. This is Buzz Knight, and today the Taking a Walk series takes us to the Savin Hill area of Boston, otherwise known as Dorchester. I'm here to take a walk with Bing Broderick. Bing has spent much of his career around the nonprofit world with his awesome work with the Haley House. He was also part of WGBH Enterprises here in Boston, and he also was a specialist in marketing for Rounder Records. Now, one of the joys of taking a walk for me is walking and talking with interesting people and interesting new people. So today we accomplished that with Bing. We'll also talk to someone fresh on the edge of his own career moment of reinvention, since so many people are taking that turn to decide what's next in their life. So I'm happy to be taking a walk with Bing. Hi, Bing. Hey there. How's it going, Buzz? It's going great. Great. Thanks for taking a walk with me. I'm happy to. I really love my neighborhood, so it's fun to enjoy it with someone, someone new. And you've been here a while, you were telling me, in the neighborhood. You didn't just arrive, right? I, I moved to Pleasant Street in uh, 1998. Wow. So I've been here 24 years. It's hard to believe, but I have. And you've seen some changes? Yeah, I have. Um, and they're continuing. There's uh, 450 units going in at the end of my street. So uh, down, down, down by Hancock Street, there's a development called Dot Block. So I think that we're going to be seeing more. There had been a complex of factories uh, on that location that were uh, obsolete. And uh, so a developer, I guess, bought them up and proposed this development for there. And uh, it'll. It'll impact the people who have been living right around there in a big way. Uh, I, I did sort of advocate for parking during snow emergencies for, the, for us abutters because all of the streets in this neighborhood are snow emergency streets. And when, when there's a snowstorm and a snow emergency, there's nowhere to park. So that was what I was asking for in the equation. That is city living, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well... So um, let's walk through your journey here, which uh, has some interesting twists and turns and probably more interesting twists coming up here for you. Uh, so tell me how you got really to Haley House, uh, first of all, and talk about Haley House and the good work of Haley House. Sure. Um, I first knew of Haley House uh, in the late 70s. My sister lived around the corner from there in the South End. And uh, I knew somebody who lived in the community there and, and helped to run uh, the soup kitchen. Um, Haley House started uh, originally on Upton Street in the South End when Kathy McKenna and her husband John uh, both had spent time with Dorothy Day on the Lower East Side of Manhattan at the Catholic Worker and were inspired by that work and wanted to try to do something like that in Boston. And um, they started wel welcoming some of the guys who were living on the street. At the time, they were mostly World War II vets and uh, brought them into their apartment and gave them shelter and some food. And uh, some of the neighbors thought they were crazy <laughs> and other neighbors were really inspired and a movement sort of came about to acquire a building. And in 1967, they 
uh, bought 23 Dartmouth Street, which is now home of our soup kitchen and, and uh, our home base. Uh, but everything that happened at Haley House sort of sprang from there. Um, as the South End started to get gentrified, we were able to acquire some housing to ensure that some people didn't get displaced. And uh, some folks knew how to bake in the soup kitchen in the in the 90s, early 90s. We started a job training program and a bakery all at once. That grew and grew. And we started uh, bakery, moved the bakery to Roxbury and opened the Haley House Bakery Cafe. And I had been working in music and uh, in the film industry prior to coming to Haley House. And I'd been feeling like uh, I wanted something new uh, and in a certain way it was in the post 9-11 period when people were also making choices in their life about you know questioning the value of what they were doing so you know in the post 9-11 era people were sort of questioning what what they were doing and why they were doing it and I uh, took a leave of absence from my job and went to uh, organic farm and cooking school in Ireland called Ballymaloo and there I became sort of passionate about food justice and came back to Boston and volunteered with a bunch of organizations and got word that Haley House was going to be opening a bakery cafe in Roxbury and they were looking for a general manager so I applied and from there that's that's where that's how I connected with with Haley House. So at what point did you realize that uh, your heart was driven towards the nonprofit world? I think when I was trying to uh, address food security and uh, issues around food access in the city, and Haley House really gave me an opportunity to sink my teeth into that. You know, the interesting thing about the Haley House Bakery Cafe, in the early years, we were busy putting the food out and a lot of ideas came in the door. People came in with suggestions for programming and it really was the programming that helped to define the space as a community space and a place that people uh, would run into their friends. And you know, it was a true third space, you know. Our aim was around food, but what we created in the process or what the community created was something special. And your work with WGBH, um, tell me about how you got to that work and also your work with uh, Rounder Records. Sure. Well, at, I started work at Rounder like most people did in the old days, which was picking orders for stores in the warehouse. And uh, everybody came in the, in, in the door that way and worked their way up th through different channels. And I had identified that there were there were there was a certain area of uh, stores that weren't record stores. Rounder was well set up with record stores around the country, but they were more specialty oriented, and uh, they might be the feminist bookstore net, net, network or Irish sweater shops. You know the, these these little niches where they would sell music, but it wasn't uh, thought of as a con conventional record outlet and. There were distributors who sold to those people, and I really developed a market of, um, so that there were 
outlets for records that might not sell a lot through conventional record retail, but would sell a lot through these, these channels. And so I became the director of special marketing there, working those channels. Um, but at a certain point, around 2000, I was ready to, for a change, and uh, my skills were around marketing and, uh, and niche marketing in particular. And I had done some work with WGBH because uh, we had put out the Arthur soundtrack for the TV show. Um, and I explored the possibility of what, might, what opportunities might exist there. And uh, Nova had just produced a IMAX film or a giant screen film about uh, Ernest Shackleton and they needed to self-distribute and they needed help and so I, that's that's how I came on board there and I did that for about four years so um, it was a fun experience so you get the itch every how many years <laughs> <laughs> well this, this stretch at Haley House has been 16, so yeah. that's a little different. <laughs> yeah, it depends on yeah. timing. Yeah, timing, yeah, totally. timing is irrelevant. It's well, still the itch, right? Yeah, and, and to be honest, it, in my time at Haley House, I spent the first eight years uh, running the Bakery Cafe, and the second eight years um, I took over from our founder, Kathy McKenna, as the executive director. So as we're walking here in Savin Hill area, um, how do you use walking um, to benefit you, whether you be just in the creative process or just, you know, to help you in the midst of a day? You know, it's funny. I, I, am, uh, I am a walker. It might be the only exercise I get. Um, but it is, and I'm a city walker. I, I've done mountain climbing and hiking and that kind of thing. Um, but I'm really someone who enjoys sort of engaging in community in the way that city walking gives you that opportunity. You know, Pleasant Street is one of my favorite streets in, in Dorchester. It's a big wide street with the houses set back a little bit, all, a lot of three-deckers. This was a, uh, back in the day, this was orchards, um, the Clap orchards and uh, in the, I guess around 1910, uh, a lot of these three-deckers uh, were built. It was all sort of developed for as a as a housing area. Um, but you know there are streets on on uh, houses on Pleasant Street that are um, older than that. And uh, my house actually is a row house, and it dates back to 1872. So there must have been this strip of row houses right in the middle of the orchard, which is kind of fascinating. This here is the Meany Playground, which I always thought was a humorous name for a playground. But, <laughs> um, and that features in, I think it's Mystic River, uh, or, or Gone, no, it's Gone Baby Gone, uh, the Dennis Lehane uh, book that was made into a movie. Dennis Lehane grew up in this neighborhood. I think his detective had a, a office in the... It used to be Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta. It must be St. Teresa of Calcutta now. In, in the bell tower there. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a great neighborhood to explore. And, uh, and I've gotten to know people over the years. Shortly after I moved to the neighborhood, I was doing laundry at the laundromat. And uh, there was a guy there who told me that there was going to be a coffee shop opening up on the neighborhood on 
Stoughton Street. And that coffee shop probably opened in 1999. And some of my best friends to this day are I met in that coffee shop. And that's what that's what I love about Dorchester's. It's it's got that sense of uh, place and and you know it's this zip code is one of the most diverse zip codes in the country. Um, we're on Pleasant Street and, and my partner calls it the Pleasant Valley because we're between Savin Hill and Jones Hill. And uh, he was born at the St. Margaret's Hospital at the top of Jones Hill. And he now lives, you know, a quarter mile from there at the bottom of the hill, so. How cool. Yeah, it's Well, what's great. amazing about, too, these houses, I mean, it's really, there's, it's far from cookie cutter. They all have similarities in terms of some of the design but yet they're all extremely different either in color or in the way that, you know, the decks look. I mean, it's really an interesting area. And when you get inside them too, it's interesting how, uh, especially on I think some of the little side streets, the, they're, they're really quite grand. You know, uh, the stairwells and the, uh, the entryways are really remarkable. This is the street where Marty Walsh grew up. Street. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have to think, with the way this area and so many areas like it around Boston have exploded, that uh, real estate's got to be out of control here. I think that's a safe thing to say. It is out <laughs> of control. It's interesting um, living in the row houses, because most, most of the row houses in, in my stretch have been broken up into one-bedroom condos. It's a, it's a classic first-time homebuyer. Uh, you know, a couple will get married and, and move in and have a baby and move out. <laughs> so the turnover in the row houses is pretty high. But uh, me and the guys upstairs in my building are kind of holding down the block. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But you look at a building like that and you see, wow, that's a grand, grand building. And uh, we're coming up on the Filene Mansion, the old Filene Mansion, which really quite spectacular too. So you get out and you take a walk and you kind of use it to just escape and connect with uh, your neighborhood. Yeah and in the early days of COVID when when we were spending all of our time on on computers uh, I started to just take uh, different destinations in mind you know and set out for a walk and go to Mount Ida or to Bowdoin Street or to Upham's Corner and out to UMass. You know, there's any, any number of points you can, you can identify and, and move toward. So as you decide, Bing, what's next at this time here where so many people are deciding that either personally or professionally, um, I've gone through my own versions of it, probably on a daily basis. So how are you going to be thinking about uh, what's next and what's your thought process there? Well, I think the first thing that I came to was that it was a, a good time for me to pass the baton to the next director. And I did that because we have a really solid staff right now. We have a strong board and we're in good fiscal shape. And so I felt like you know, rather than let circumstance define when I'm leaving, um, to be intentional about it. And my priority was really to see our next executive director into 
place, give them the tools they need for success as we move forward. I wasn't thinking so much about what my priorities were uh, after that. And, uh, you know, I did want to take a little break. Um, but uh, I think that I know that the things that bring me joy are connecting, introducing people to one another, connecting people to resources. Um, and I'm interested in exploring ways I can do that uh, with different platforms. Uh, and I'm also interested in producing programming for community-based organizations or the community at large. And when you say programs, what do you mean? You mean in terms of uh, uh, audio or video or, or all the you know, above? Or? At the Bakery Cafe, we did a lot of programming uh, in partnership with other organizations. And one of the organizations we worked with was Discover Roxbury, uh, which no longer exists, but was an amazing organization that really, uh, its mission was to showcase the treasures of Roxbury. And during that, we did, a, uh, for about six years, we did a series of history nights. Um, and talking about the history of Roxbury, history of jazz in Roxbury, history of Elma Lewis, the, uh, the uh, legacy of Elma Lewis, uh, a lot of different uh, topics like that. And, and that's the kind of thing that really jazzes me, and that's what I want to pursue. Well, that, that sounds kind fun, of thing. yeah. Yeah, I mean, just figuring out what touches you and what you don't have to think about automatically when it comes to what it means to a paycheck, um, what joy, like you said, that it brings you is really an important thing. Uh, that's what led for me to certainly the Take It A Walk series, uh, because like a lot of people, I found that there was a lot of walks over the last few years having two dogs you got two walks easily a day uh, and then beyond that uh, other opportunities just to get out clear the head I truly think in many cases zoom has fried the brain over these last few years <laughs> so, walking helps so walking <laughs> helps um, and I've certainly taken to it when it comes to you know the mindfulness that's important with it to be able to you know maybe even uh, I mean I've just learned to something called metta which is a form of meditation that you can do when you're walking or some other physical activity and uh, you know also the teachings of uh, Thich Nhat Hanh who just recently passed away his uh, writings how to walk uh, certainly have motivated this so I think you know as a way for the creative spirit and our own all search for joy uh, walking plays an important part of this uh, as does connecting mm -hmm. as does connecting with new people yeah you know it's interesting I, I find that walking around my neighborhood it's a little different from walking around other parts of Boston uh, I find that in Dorchester people do say hello to one another Whereas in the South End, people look at me a little strange when I say hello to them on the street. <laughs> you know, I think that there's just a different way that cars act even. You know, if a pedestrian steps out into the street, it's pretty likely that the car is going to just stop and wait for them to cross. Um, and that doesn't happen in other parts of Boston. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I've in Dorchester and Roxbury, I find it happens pretty regularly, you know. But surprisingly, where I live, next to Concord, 
many people don't stop there either. Yeah. And unfortunately, many don't say hello either. Yeah. So it's very odd. I mean, I, yeah. do, I do think the last few years seemingly have brought out the best and the worst of people. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of anger out there, you know. Yeah, it's very much so. I've really enjoyed meeting you and hearing your journey and I'm wishing you well on that journey anyway. I can sort of be of help in that. Uh, thank I'm, you. I'm all ears, but uh, Bing Broderick, thank you for taking a walk with me. Thank you, Buzz. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And uh, when you're uh, listening to this, please uh, download it, uh, subscribe, and uh, rate and review the Taking a Walk podcast. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.